Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis. America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience, passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis. Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chicken Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of Mortgage Lending Mastery. I am delighted to have you here with me today. And I want to say again, thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast to help your business grow. And today with me, I have Rondi Lambeth. He is known as America's credit expert. I want to give you a little bit of detail about him, and then we're going to dive into some different type of credit restoration topics than I normally would do with some credit people that come on here. He is the founder of Fortress Credit Pro, um, which is an and is an award-winning TV and radio show host and a best-selling author. Can't wait to find out what the name of your book is because I actually didn't know what it was. As seen on ABC, C- CBS, CNN, Fox News, and NBC, like out all those places. So, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Yeah, it's so good to be alive, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it is. Despite COVID, yeah. right? Despite the COVID cocoon that we're all in. They were all in. Despite COVID. Yeah. First, I want to do something very special and I want to thank you for your service to our country. It is very important to me. It happens to have been one of my niches when I was in production in helping and serve our veterans. And I live in Washington, D.C. So I got to be around a lot of people in the Pentagon and, and the White House. I did all kinds of loans through those guys. And having been raised, as you and I were talking in the green room in Colorado Springs, Colorado, we are loaded with military people around us. And my father-in-law and my father were in the military. So I want to say thank you so much for serving our country first and foremost. You're very welcome. It was my honor to serve and I I had a a really good time at it and I really enjoyed it. Awesome. All of it. Awesome. Well, also you're from my home state, which I, you know, love um, as well. And I want to thank you also for being a first responder, a firefighter. And I know that you were one of the first responders at Columbine. We actually had a cousin at Columbine at that time. Um, So I'm sure you guys crossed paths, but thank you again for that, that service as well. But I want to dig right into some of the things that you do. You know, credit restoration is one thing, right? And I know you call it credit repair. I actually call it credit restoration, but I know that you work, that you are someone who has worked with celebrities and, you know, big people about credit. You know, we forget that it's not just a little guy who has credit problems. It's everybody who has credit problems. And in fact, it reminds me of a loan I was doing. It was like a $1.5 million loan about 
15 years ago. So that was a big loan back then, you know, and, you know, we couldn't close the loan because out of the blue, he had a $14 collection and he was a doctor and a $14 medical collection out of the blue. And it ruined the whole deal, right? We ended up closing it eventually, but we had to do a lot of work, you know, to get it there. And this is before, you know, we had all the technology to be able to do fast restoration with them. But I know one of the things that you really focus on is helping people, not just with their credit, but looking at holistically at their whole financial picture, the whole DNA of what, you know, their whole financial picture in improving wealth and reducing debt and uh, therefore obviously increasing their credit score. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you incorporate the wealth component of this in there, as well as the debt reduction, whether this is sort of a Dave Ramsey strategy of debt reduction, or if it is a negotiated position with any of the creditors? I teach about money, credit, and taxes different than pretty much everybody out there. In fact, if you follow Dave Ramsey, Uh, And by the way, he followed my radio show for almost 10 years. He wanted my spot when I had my radio show, but the station wouldn't give it to him. But anyway, if you followed his advice, anything I teach you about money, credit, or taxes is going to be completely opposite of what they say. And that is because they come at it as a scarcity mindset. And Mm -hmm. when I grew up, I grew up in a town not too far from where I'm at now in Boise, Idaho. I grew up in Parma, Idaho in a shack that had no running water, no electricity. We got our food out of a dumpster every Wednesday after school. We'd go to the dumpster and get our food, and that was our food for the week. And we would hope and pray that they would dump some good food in the dumpster. (laughs) And I grew up being taught that money was the root of all evil. Rich people are evil. Rich people will take advantage of you. And that scarcity mindset. And so I left home when I was 15 years old. I got tired of being beat up and tortured and all of the other abuse that I had. So I left my 10 siblings. I'm the oldest of 11. I left when I was 15 years old, went to work for a guy named Wally Williams in Oregon who owned a funeral home. And that's when I started learning about money. I started learning about credit back in the eighties when no one really even understood Mm -hmm. credit at all. And I started learning how credit affects people's lives and how money and and taxes affect your life. And then fast forward, I went to work for Littleton Fire and here I am firefighter of the year, the third firefighter at the Columbine high school shooting, you know, all the stuff that we did that day. And I was honored as this hero. Yet what I didn't know was my little brother, who was also a firefighter was struggling and he was struggling with medical collections and credit card debt and a car loan. And ultimately he took his life Mm -hmm. over just a few thousand dollars worth of stuff. And so that put me on this path of trying to figure out why do people kill themselves over money? And as a firefighter, I saw it every day. I saw the impacts of not understanding how to manage their finances. I saw it in my own family and then I'd see it as a firefighter. And so in 2007, I started Fortress Credit which was America's first paid on results credit repair companies. And over the last 14 years, we've helped hundreds of thousands of people increase their credit score, reduce their taxes, eliminate their debt, all through holistic education. And then using our proprietary ways that we communicate with the credit bureaus and the banks who we work with. We're not your typical credit repair company that is working against the banks and credit bureaus. We're working with them to prevent them from being sued. 
And yes, they will be sued if they don't work with us because we understand how the laws work. Dozens of different laws and each state has their different version of the Fair Credit Report Act, the Fair Accurate Credit Transaction Act, et cetera. And so we understand how these laws work and we educate people how their money works and how credit works. And the reason we started that, Jen, was because as you know, as a mortgage professional, someone with lots and lots of experience with thousands and thousands of mortgages you've done, that the credit score is extremely important. But you also know that you never get approved based on your credit score, right? If, if you had a borrower that comes in and they have an 850 credit score, they're not automatically approved. Right. <laughs> You're never approved based on your credit score. You, right. you are denied based on your credit score. Right. And really, none of us even care what our number is. We just want the result that a good number will give you. Correct. And so we teach how the credit score is created. For example, only 35% of your credit score is based on payment history. Yeah. And so when you have all these other guys sending dispute letters to the credit bureau saying, this is not my account. I was never late. I have no contract with the collection company, et cetera. That only, if you get that fixed, it's only 35% of the score, about 142 points. That's it. Whereas the other 65% is completely ignored. So we do both. We teach you the 65% and we work on the 35%. And that's why 90% of the people that mortgage brokers send me are mortgage qualified in 90 days or less. Yeah, they're 90 just on the, of the tip. time. Yeah, they're because, just on the tip of being able to be approved. Because, yeah. 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 I love that. Well, Um, no, I mean, you could send me someone a 400, you could send me someone with a 400 credit score and 90% of the time I'm going to have the mortgage qualified in 90 days. Oh, wow. Okay. Because why they have the 400 credit score. So I know that was a long winded answer to your question, how we do things different with the holistic (laughs) side, but that is really it. It's we educate them about the credit score, not just deleting the issue. Right. Are you hands-on? Is your company very hands-on? You know, one of the, one of the things that, that people complain about the most, you know, is that, you know, we're just given these letters and we're supposed to send them out on our own and kind of left out there to meander and try to figure this out on our own. I know that you're helping people with wealth and understanding debt, but are you helping them in that capacity as well? Are you very hands-on and guiding them? Or are you taking saying, give it, give it to me, you sign it, give it to me, let me take it and run with it? Yeah, pretty much all the client has to do is sign our contract, provide us with three forms of identification and open their mail once a month when they get the letters from the credit bureaus and the furnishers and then send that to us. We take everything else over for them. So they don't have to try to figure out what to mail and what to say or any of that. We literally, uh, they sign power of attorney over to us, limited power of attorney. And we contact all of the creditors as well as the credit bureaus. Yeah. And we get the items legally and permanently removed from the credit report while the client really just has to make sure they get us the updated letters. Right. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons why there's such a, you know, a bad taste in people's mouths about credit restoration or credit repair is that, you know, I tried it. It didn't work. But the, uh, the fact is most consumers don't really try. They don't know what they're doing when they are given a template and they have to make some, con- you know, make some, you know, scripting and things like that. They don't know what they're saying. And so it's us against the big, bad credit bureaus, you know, in all of these cases. So I love that you have sort of this 
legal piece that's that's popped in there. Okay, so that's what makes you different on the credit side. And so that's really cool to understand. And I, I'm actually, I'd love to see a 400 go to a good number. I'd like to see how that happens, but I trust that that's what you'll do because you're making that claim here on Mortgage Lending Mastery. The next question I have for you, because most of us have heard credit stories and so we can, you know, all decipher all of that. Is Are your clients coming to you from loan officers or are they coming to you from real estate agents or um, are they coming consumer direct or all three? Does it have to be a loan officer that is that is working in tandem with you? And do you keep the loan officer updated on or whomever does the referral updated on the status? Yeah, they come from all of that. They come from you know mortgage brokers, loan officers, real estate agents, social media, banks, mm-hmm. You yeah. know, U.S. Bank sends us a ton of clients, credit unions, teachers, anyone who really has anything to do with money. They send car dealerships, AutoNation USA, so et cetera. And it's because we're the only company that is paid on results. We work yeah. like a, a loan officer or a real estate agent. Yeah. When a client hires us, they're not giving us a bunch of money up front. There is no monthly fee, no retainer fee, no setup fee. We're 100% paid on results. So if you send me a someone with a 400 credit score and I don't do anything, you don't get paid. I don't get paid. Consumer's not happy. Right. And we only get paid if we're successful with getting items removed from their credit. So they come from all aspects. Now I prefer clients from loan officers over, let's say a real estate agent. And the reason for that is because the loan officer knows that unless that person addresses the credit issue, they're not going to get a loan, where sometimes what will happen is a real estate agent thinks, oh, well, I'll just find another lender and I'll find another yeah. lender. The lender, yeah. It's not the lender. The lenders know. It's diminishing gotta, return. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so most of our business yeah. comes from loan officers or lenders because they know that we are the last stop. And the only chance of the homeowner or the client becoming a homeowner is through us. And the only chance of them getting paid is through us. So that's where we get most of our clients. That's awesome. I love that. So it sounds like you have some enterprise accounts as well. And that's something that, you know, the loan officers that are listening, you know, instead of onesie twosieing all of this, it's a possibility that you could get your whole company onto, you know, X amount of credit repairs in a certain amount of month or something like that. Is that true or not? Yeah. You know, we have an affiliate program and We, we can take anywhere from one client from you to a thousand clients. We have a, okay. a mortgage banker yeah. in Texas, and he probably sends us two to 300 clients per month. Wow. That's um, great. Yeah. I have, I actually uh, tr- coach a, uh, an entire company, their management all the way down to loan officers, who's a national company and man, they could use this. <laughs> they could yeah. use this and so. you'd ask me, how do I keep them? up to date. And it's, it's really simple. We have a portal that the clients can log into as yeah. well as the referring partner, whether yeah. it's the real estate agent or lender. And so Jen, you would never call me and say, Hey, what's the client's credit score? Right. Uh, you would log into the portal and you would list every single one of your clients. You click on it. It gives you their up-to-date credit score. Yeah. Unlike most credit repair companies that work against the credit bureaus. Remember I said, I work yes. with the banks and with the credit bureaus. I actually own a credit two credit monitoring companies to where I have access to the credit bureau's information 
where most credit repair companies, I don't know another credit repair company actually. Yeah, that, where they just have to hope that what they did is going to result in a good score. You're able to do some some monitoring and soft, not soft pulls, but to monitoring just like- I okay. do soft pull. I can pull your credit every single day, yeah. but the lender then is able to log in and you could click chance. on someone's name and see exactly their score. In fact, if you tell us, hey, this is an FHA client and they need a 580 or whatever it is, the moment that client has a 580 on two of the three bureaus or the one thing they needed deleted, instant that happens, you would get a text message and an email from us stating, Jen, George Jones has now an 820. Please yeah. reach out to them. So yeah. we're constantly updating our, our partners as well. That's awesome. So I want to switch gears. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I want to switch gears because that is a differentiator for what, you know, what you do versus other people. And most people know, you know, that are listening to this that we already know and understand some credit. So that's fine. I want to switch gears and talk about a couple different things. And you'll have to let me know if this is not in your realm, but I think it is. First and foremost, I want to talk about the effect of COVID and what it's had on credit and what we can be anticipating, you know, or I still talk in we terms, like I'm still originating. I don't do it anymore. I haven't done it for three years, but what kind of anticipation can we be seeing, you know, coming up in the coming months as forbearance starts kicking out (laughs) and we start having challenges there? What are you seeing? Are you seeing a more credit scores coming in where people are having to work on them, that they're challenged because they thought it was going to be one thing and now it's something else? And what do you foresee, forecast for us, what you're seeing in the next year to year and a half that as loan officers and real estate agents, they need to know in order to ensure that the momentum that they have built through COVID continues? Yeah. Donald Trump, President Trump changed the Fair Credit Report Act in March of 2020. And what he changed was the furnishers could not legally report any negative information from March 1st until July 1st. And so during that time, whether you paid your bills on time or not, did not get reported. And so so no one really saw a big impact on their credit scores. Right. Then come July 1st, that went away. (laughs) And yes, we have the forbearance, but that does not prevent you from uh, impacting your credit score because that's just forbearing your payment down the road. But then you got to make up all of those lost payments, payments, those past payments, right? So if you've skipped your mortgage for six to 12 months, Uh (laughs) now the forbearance is over. You now owe a year's worth of back pay. Yeah. And none of that's being reported yet. And I think once the furnishers start reporting all the late payments that are out there, there's going to have to be something that changes. And it's either the government changes the Fair Credit Report Act again and says from March 2020 till March 2022, no reporting of negative information. That's one way to fix it. Or two, FICO changes their algorithm and they change the model, which they're already doing. As you know, as a mortgage professional, um, you had your Empirica and your Be- Beacon score. Right. If you, Fannie Mae and Freddie, require a 1996 version of the FICO credit score. Mm-hmm. It is 25 years old. Yeah. And yet, or is it 35 years old? It's 30, I, whatever I it is. It's, uh, it's, it's 25 like, years old. 25 yeah, years yeah. old. Can you imagine using Windows 95 on your computer today, right? (laughs) But that is what's required. And that's part of why your credit scores are so different anywhere you go. And so 
FICO is going to have to either create a new algorithm or create a new model to ignore, similar to what they've done with medical collections, medical collections yeah. under $1,000. Uh, and they change it. I heard yesterday it's now $2,000. Don't affect your credit score. Yeah. As in yeah. the medical collection is, is not lowering your scores. On FICO model eight, nine, and 10, doesn't do anything for FICO model two, which is what you would see on a mortgage credit report. So do I expect some changes? Yes, there's going to be a lot. I suspect that Bloods will be running in the streets by the time this whole thing is done. When people actually, when the forbearances are gone and the foreclosures come out, I think the people that have their credit right are going to be able to purchase a lot of products, a lot of houses, and a lot of real estate. Yeah. And the people that don't won't be able to. Yeah. And I, and I'm expecting that too. You know, I'm an avid real estate investor. I've been doing that for a long time. I work in that world as well. And we're all ramping up. All of us, uh, you know, every investor that I've talked to, every podcast I'm on about investing, we're talking about the ramp up and positioning our capital, getting it liquid enough, you know, that it doesn't sit too long, but, you know, that it's moving in a direction to help, you know, people that are going to need help out there. And it's funny because I was having a conversation with one of my clients and I said, you know, they've had the best year ever and everybody has, right? Because the market gave it to us. But when the market leaves, are you going to have the best year ever? Right. And you can keep that momentum going. It's proven year out, year in, year out with top producing loan officers, you know, to keep the momentum going. But instead of buying the $35,000 watch and the big boat and all this stuff that is typical of loan officers and real estate agents when they have a surplus, it's better to, you know, think about how your money can move for you. And I think that's so that's going to lead us into this wealth creation piece that I have um, a question for. And that is, you know, how do you pay less taxes and enjoy more vacations? What in that realm? So like take off your credit hat and put on your tax hat here for a moment. What are you if I were a loan officer coming to you and I make a whole bunch of money one year and not enough another and I have no way to write it off anymore unless I create a side company that can only last as a negative for a couple of years without the IRS triggering it. Uh, what what is something that we can be doing as loan officers, not realtors because they're 1099 loan officers who are W2 to reduce taxes? Great question. I specialize in reducing lifetime taxes. And the way we do that through our company is we set up what are called private placement accounts that anybody can do this as long as they're at least two weeks old. So from two weeks old to 119 years old, you can have it. It's similar to a Roth IRA. Are you familiar with a Roth IRA? Of course. Yeah. You put in only the poor or the working class can afford it because if you make over a, you know, as a couple, if you make more than three hundred thousand dollars a year, you uh, can't, you can't qualify for a yeah. Roth. And so when I say only the poor and working class, you know, the wealthy don't get to use the Roth. So there's these private placement accounts. Anybody can have access to it. Unlimited amounts of money can go into it. You can access the money at any age for anything you want, and you never pay taxes on it ever. So the number one way that we teach our clients how to legally not pay taxes is to move their money from tax deferred accounts like a 401k or an IRA into a non-taxed account that now can grow 100% tax-free. And then let's say five years down the road, you're like, I want to buy this property. I want to do a fix and flip. 
you could send me an email and within 72 hours, you can have a couple hundred thousand dollars wired to your bank account. You can use that money for your flip, put it back into your private placement account to take all the profits, put it back in there and not pay anything in taxes. And all that money you pull out, you don't pay anything in taxes. So that's the number one way is setting up a private placement account and putting your money in there so it grows 100% tax-free and access tax-free. That's awesome. Is that um, is that a whole life extension? Is that in addition to it a whole not. life? Okay. I was just curious if it is. It's the first time I'm hearing about this one. Well, yeah. <laughs> I thought I was. <laughs> yeah. Whole life has been around for a long time. And the problem with doing this with the whole life is you get two to 3% interest. Maybe you get 4% interest. The only way you can access that cash in there is you pay 5% interest to pull it out or you die. One of the two. Right. Ours is not like that at all. It is not a whole life policy. It is indexed to the S&P 500. Right. So if the stock market goes up 25%, you get 25% on your money. If the yeah. stock market goes down, you don't lose anything because you're paid an interest rate based on what this S&P 500 does. And then if you want to access it, they loan it to you at 0% interest. So it's not whole, but it's close. Yeah, it's close. And I do a little different kind of whole life. I don't just pop money into whole life. I actually borrow against it for myself. I borrow against myself and it allows me to leverage you know, to buy more properties. So I definitely know exactly what that is. So, sure. you know, I think that's, that's really good. And I actually remember a financial advisor had something similar to this several years ago. It was proprietary and it's probably now expanded way beyond that. Yeah. So it's taking your post-tax dollars and letting them grow interest-free rather than, I mean, uh, tax-free rather than taking your pre-tax dollars, which you'll have to pay tax on after it's done growing when you get older. So yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Okay, good. So that's really good. That's good information. Thank you so much. I want to talk to you also about you have, you know, had had indicated, you know, some of the commentary that you want to talk about or that you like to talk about is relationships, separation and credit. So we know that, you know, 53 and I actually am one of the coaches for the CDLP, the, the Certified Divorce Lending Professional designation. I'm, I'm one of the coaches uh, for that program. And we know that 53% of people are divorced, right? That's our, that's our range now is 53% of people are getting divorced. And we know that with COVID that's gone up exponentially. Poor people, right? It's gone up exponentially for a variety of reasons. But let's talk about that. Let's talk about what that means to you and how you want to um, talk to loan officers and real estate agents about people that are in separations, you know, and going through a divorce and how it affects their credit. Because you know, it is the principle of the matter that I'm not making the payment because it says I don't have to. So that's something that I hear on a regular basis. I got divorced and it ruined my credit. And here's the fact. Divorce doesn't affect your credit whatsoever. None at all. Divorce doesn't have any impact on your credit score because it has to do with your marital status. They don't care. They don't care color your skin, your orientation, how much money you make. That does not impact your credit score. Whether you're married or you're not married doesn't impact it. What impacts it is you got divorced and you didn't pay your bills. Correct. (laughs) What I recommend to people is when you get into a relationship or if you're already in a relationship, you should separate your credit. I truly believe that couples should have joint checking accounts and that they should 
act as one person, one financial home, if you will, but have separate credit files. What I mean by that is one spouse or partner has their own credit cards, the other spouse has their credit cards, and then you're you're not joint, but you're authorized users on Correct. each account. Yeah. And what that does is if you do separate at some point, and you said 53% of married couples will eventually separate, all you do is you take that other person off of your account as an authorized user. Yeah. Whereas if you were joint or married, and then you had the accounts, you were co-signers on each other's account, you now have to close the account to separate. And when you close the account, your credit score goes down. Obviously. Because yeah. you close the account. Yeah. The other part of it is when you get divorced, there is a divorce decree that says you have to pay these bills and you have to pay these bills. And now you are relying on your previous partner to pay your bills. Yeah. And so over the next seven to 30 years, really, you got to have a constant relationship with this person. You're no longer separated and divorced. You ha what happens if they miss a mortgage payment? Yeah. 29 and a half years from now. <laughs> and just because the divorce decree says you have to pay it doesn't mean that the banks are going to enforce that because the banks don't have to. Right. And just because the divorce decree says you are required to refinance the house within so many years, they can't force you to do that. Even though there's a court order, what are they going to do? Throw you in jail? You know, look at me. Last year, I wanted to buy a house. In March, I put an offer in on a house. I went to buy it. COVID happened. Took away my bank statement loan program. I couldn't buy a house. Yeah. Cost me about $200,000 in equity because where I live, Idaho, 28% appreciation in 2020, which was insane. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I lost two to $300,000 because I couldn't qualify. What if my divorce decree said I had to refinance that property and I couldn't because of COVID? Right. They're going to throw me in jail? No, they're not going to throw you. Now, if divorce decree says you have to pay this credit card and I don't, are you going to pay an attorney to take me to court? Yeah, they could throw me in jail and then I'm not going to pay any of the bills. Right. Right? So it's, it's never a good idea yeah. to be a co-signer with anyone. And I say this, one of my cardinal rules on credit and money, never co-sign for anyone, no matter what, even if you're married to that person, do not co-sign for them. Because so, the reason you have to co-sign is because the bank doesn't think they're going to pay. And so they want you to pay. Yeah. Yeah. So well, unless have, you're unless you're prepared to pay that debt, don't co-sign. Right, right, right. Because they, you, do. Yeah, they, they have someone else to go after. Yeah. So with marriage or yeah, Mortgages. with relationships, I recommend to have it separate. You can have joint checking accounts, joint, you know, savings and all that stuff. Um, I don't I'm not a big believer of you pay this much and you pay that and the rent thing and the like the roommate thing. I'm not a fan <laughs> yeah. of that. Well I'm not I'm either. just saying to have your yeah. credit cards and your your car loan separate. Yeah. So what do you think about the mortgage on the other side of it? You know, with mortgages you 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 know you need the other person. So so is that your exception? Yeah. Okay. That would be the exception is the mortgage. You know, you just got to deal with that. But it's when it comes to cars and credit cards and stuff like that, boats, motorcycles, I don't believe that you should be co-signer with it. And think about it this way. And you know this from doing mortgages. 
if you sit down and you put all of the credit card debt on the, let's say the wife's credit and she makes a lot less money and that now lets the husband have the 820 credit score with all the money, it helps with the DTI because there's some states that you don't need both people on it. Right. And so that way you can kind of move things around, if you will. Yeah. And let's say that now the, the wife wants to go buy some houses and she's going to do bank statement loans. Then she moves the debt through a balance transfer check to the husband's account or, or whatever. So that there's some other advantages to, to moving that money towards not all joint. Yeah. Well, now, you know, bank statement loans are back, right? I hope you know that. Because <laughs> then you can go and buy your house real quick if you want. So someone's listening to this, to this podcast and they're saying, oh my gosh, I just heard what he said. And they do some research and they say, okay, yeah, I, I agree with him. I concur. I need to have all this separated. But the thing is, all of it's together right now, right? How do they separate it? without closing the account? How do they, can they call the, the Chase, you know, Southwest Chase or something and call and say, hey, I want to have this person removed off and get re-approved for that same credit card? No, what's going to happen is they're going to close that account and open a new one. Yep. And there's really no way around that. There's, yeah. there's yeah. no way to remove a signer. There's a way to remove an authorized user. So if you're married and you have joint credit cards, what I would recommend is to get more credit cards, keep them separate and pay off the other credit cards. And, and then close them out or not even close them, just get them to zero. Yeah. Credit, not even close them out. Just you have to use credit cards every single month. If you don't, they're eventually going to get closed. Number two, FICO kicks it out of the algorithm because they think it's a closed account that hasn't been updated yet. And number three, your mortgage banker or lender is going to say, hey, look, you haven't used these credit cards, so you need to close them all. Oh, That's God, what the underwriter wants you to do. And then they close the credit cards. <laughs> I well, hope they don't say that. something that we've dealt with 14 years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I hope. Because you know, lenders tell their... Yeah. And this is something that's really frustrating for me because, you know, having been in the business, listen, I was an underwriter when we didn't have credit scores, right? I was underwriting credit when we didn't have credit scores. Something that really bothers me that I, I think needs to be talked about right here is that while we are learning from you, we cannot take this advice and give it to clients. And why is that? I'll let you answer that. I don't know. I, I don't know what you mean by what you're learning from me. You shouldn't give to okay. clients. I don't because know. we're not a credit reporting agency. We are not licensed to be a credit reporting agency, a monitoring agency, or credit counselors either. And so in, in the mortgage perspective, you know, we can say, look, from my experience, this is what I've seen do. But the worst thing in the world is for a loan officer to tell a client to to go pay off a credit card because of experience that they had or to, you know, cause I had this happen to one of my clients and somebody on my team, not on my team, but in my office who told a client to go pay off a whole bunch of things. Their credit score dived. They couldn't get a loan because of it. And I find that loan officers take the position of being a credit counseling company that they do not have the authority to be or the license to do that. We could be giving them wrong information. It's like us saying, Hey, this, this is what you should do for your taxes because we're not a CPA, but this is what you should do. And I think that's the same thing with loan officers, you know, is having them to, to tell people to pay off their credit cards, you know, so that they can qualify. And no underwriter has the authority to tell people to close out an account. It, it drives me crazy. Yeah, I can tell you that the majority of misinformation is spread through the financial industry. Where, For example, people will tell you on a credit card, 
what have you heard on what is the proper amount of money to owe on a credit percentage. card to have uh, the most positive credit score? Right, right. Yeah, the different the percentage? percentages. Yeah. So 25% is the last that I remember is, to, well, mm-hmm. maybe there was 15 below that. I can't remember right now because yeah. I've been out for a while. So, but 15 or 25%, you know, there was 30. Yeah. The in average real estate professional. Yeah. They'll tell you 30 to 50%, 30% so real, a number I hear all the time. And here's what I will tell you as a FICO certified credit professional, someone who was trained by FICO that pulls almost 20,000 credit reports a month through our company. I can tell you this, FICO's algorithm wants to see a 1% to a 7% utilization rate on a credit card. There you go. Which means if you have a $10,000 limit, they want to see between a hundred bucks and $700 tops. You go over 7%, your score is going to go down. So when you keep it at 30%, you're approximately losing 30 points. So a way to increase your credit score is to get it below 7%. If you pay the credit cards off completely, your credit score is going to tank. Yes. Because FICO wants to see at least 1% on there every single month. Right. And if you don't use those credit cards, you will have poor credit. Yeah. So how do you manage that? I'll tell you what I do and what I recommend my clients to do and my listeners is use every single credit card every single month. You have Netflix, put it on a credit card. Yep. You got internet, water, your Zoom bill, whatever. All of your utilities that you have every single month, you put it on a separate credit card and then you carry one with you that you use all the time. The rest are on autopilot. They pay themselves off in full and make sure they're set up to auto pay. Right. Because I I don't, I couldn't tell many times people that have their own private jets, they're on TV all over the place that you would know who they are, Uh have hired me to fix an annual payment on a credit card that they thought was closed. And now they got a 30 day late for a a $28 annual fee. Right. (laughs) Right. And this is really common. Right. Yeah. And I think that's really good. I, you know, I used to advise my clients, you know, that what we did and what we, we, well, I don't know if we still do. I don't manage our house stuff. I manage all the businesses, all the businesses, but we'd have a little sticky that was on a card that was, this is for veterinarian. This is for shopping, you know, for grocery shopping. This mm-hmm. is for the chiropractor sure. um, just to have that little bit. And I even told clients, look, if you have a zero balance, they'd tell me, oh, I have a zero balance on everything before I do the credit, before I pull the credit tonight, I want you to take her to dinner. <laughs> put some money on yeah. the credit card, right? Yeah, I love that. I want to ask you a personal yeah. question. And my husband's mother, and I think this is a good story because people hear this all the time. My husband's mother passed away about a month and a half ago. Not COVID, not COVID. Passed away about a month and a half ago, and she had American Express bill. And my husband has an American Express. And because the payments weren't being made on the American Express from the estate, because he doesn't have legal access to the estate funds yet, doesn't have access to everything. And that's a whole other story. Because of COVID, they're having a delay in getting death certificates out. And so he doesn't have access. All of a sudden, the late payments on her American Express has nothing to do with his, now just became late on his. They're calling him and saying, hey, you're late on your American Express. And he said, no, I'm not. 
Well, they combined the accounts and we're now fighting it. And it just happened yesterday, ironically. What is your advice for us in dealing with something like that? Because this becomes bigger than us. It's, it's so much you know, and, and we could hire their attorney, her attorney, you know, the estate t- attorney and say, hey, look, you got to go fight this because this has nothing to do with me. But it seems like it's going to cost a lot of money. And it has affected his credit as of yesterday. So let me ask you, where do you want your beach house? Because what they're doing is <laughs> yeah, so because illegal. I can sue them. <laughs> and I work with. Yeah. And so I work with attorneys. Uh, all over the United States. I work, I'm a federally approved credit expert witness. I can go into federal court and explain how the FICO algorithm works, how FICO scoring models work, how credit reporting works, how eOscar, all of that. I can tell you this right now, what they're doing violates, most likely violates the Fair Credit Report Act because Absolutely. they have merged it. Now, when I say most likely, I'm not an attorney, so I can't tell you if it's illegal or not. I can tell you this, I, I have dozens of law firms that would love to have your name. Yes. They will work um, <laughs> on contingency. Yeah. And they're going to take 33 to 40% of what they win and 100% of the attorney fees. And you should never, ever use your family attorney to go against a bank or credit bureau. They no. will get slaughtered in court. Yeah. The, yeah. These attorneys for experience, these are guys that are charging $4,000 an hour and that's all they do all day long. Yeah. My hourly rate is more than most attorneys will charge throughout the United States. And I have attorneys that call me and, and I give them my rate. They're like, that's more than I charge. I'm like, well, I'm the expert. You're not, you need me. You're calling you me. <laughs> um, and so I would recommend only work with a credit attorney who sues banks and credit bureaus. And here's yeah. what would happen. I'll introduce you to, to our people goes one of two ways. You can either make it go away and fix it, or we can set a trap, wait for them to fall into it, and then send them a letter demanding X amount of dollars, most likely just cut a check and send you the check and make it go away. Yeah, that's cool. But yeah. they should not. Because literally it just happened. should and- not be reporting her I- late payment. No, not at all. Not at all. No, no, no communication, completely separate accounts, everything. And, but you know, this is what clients experience on a regular basis. And it's hard for loan officers, I think, to deal with that because, you know, our hands are tied or their hands are tied and they don't know what to do. Right. And they say, well, I don't know. You just need to find an attorney or whatever. So I love hearing that this is something that you could actually help people resolve because we hear these stories like this all the time. I, you know, I funded over a billion dollars in loans. I've heard the story. I heard this, this horror story. And now it just happened to us yesterday. Unbelievable. So I thank you for sharing that. You will spend tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. You'll spend tens of thousands of dollars fixing this. One of my clients was the, one of the founders of a little company called Oracle, which Mm -hmm. you probably heard of Oracle before. He had a 4,000 acre ranch in Montana and the, the ranch hand put in direct TV or dish TV. I don't remember which one, but after like 10 years moved out, forgot to mail the box in. So this collection showed up on this person, the founder of Oracle's credit report. Now I was at his house. I'm in his office and he's got pictures of him and Bill Clinton playing golf together. He's got pictures of him and other leaders of countries that he's friends with. He's worth who knows how much money, but he cannot get this collection removed. 
because (laughs) they show it's in his name. And he spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars trying to fix it. We went in and about 72 hours had it removed from his credit report because it wasn't his. But when you hire someone that doesn't specialize in credit, they're going to say stuff like, this is not my account. This is my mom's account. It's not my fault. You shouldn't be doing this. And when you make statements, they will respond with another statement. If you ask a question, they have to answer that question. Otherwise, it's another violation of the Fair Credit Report Act. And so that's one of the ways that we would get this fixed for you. If you wanted us to fix it, we would simply reach out and ask them a question and either set the trap or not set the trap. And it's really up to what you guys want. Yeah. No, so, I think but it happens I think all it's absolutely the time. ridiculous. Of course it does. It happens all the time. And that's why I have you on here because I want everyone to hear, you know, and I don't mind being vulnerable to my own stories because hopefully this will help if, you know, as luck would have it, right? Someone who's listening in the next couple of days, you're going to hear the same kind of story. And now you're going to know how to fix it. And that's what's key here is, you know, to fix it for the the sake of the client, that fiduciary responsibility we have to help them, but also to help yourself because now you'll be able to fund a loan and they have the, the family now has the home or has their credit repaired. So I really thank you on that. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us as we close out our time together that we need to be aware of? The biggest thing that I like people to really understand is credit cards are the most important thing you can have on your credit report and managing those credit cards properly keeping them below that 7%, making sure you use them every single month, using bill pay to pay your bills. And like I said earlier, never co-sign for anyone because when you co-sign, you are now liable for that debt for up to 30 years and everything that happens with that debt. For example, you co-sign for a car. I was telling my executive assistant this. He's co-signed now for two people, a friend (laughs) and his mom. I said, you're the owner of the car. Which means if they get drunk, run a red light and kill someone because you're on the loan as the owner of the car, you're now responsible for it Mm -hmm. or could be held responsible. Yeah. So just remember how important credit is in your life and manage it properly. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's a whole different perspective on credit. That's why I wanted to bring you on. You know, we've had lots of credit, you know, companies come on and I love them and they're great and everything, but you bring a different dynamic to this. And I, you know, really appreciate that opportunity to share this with my audience. So thank you so much. Thanks for what you're doing. I really appreciate what you're doing to make a difference in in the world too. You know, not many people are doing that. So thank you. Yeah, for doing that. So I will have links for all of your information. If people want to reach out to you and want to start working with you, I appreciate that. I want to also mention that you also have a podcast called The School of Wealth. Um, And so go listen to that podcast. I'm sure you're going to learn a lot of things from that podcast. And are you a weekly, monthly? I mean, not weekly, weekly, daily. What are you doing with your podcast? Weekly on School of Wealth. My radio show that was syndicated for seven years is also called Your Credit Matters Radio. And there's 2,200 episodes on that starting in 2010 to 2007. Yeah. And then uh, on School of Wealth, it's weekly. Every Wednesday, we upload a new show. There's a show that got uploaded this morning. Sounds good. Real estate investing. There you go. So you can upload on Wednesdays and then come and get mine on Thursdays and you'll have two a week that you'll learn from. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And, you know, it's great. It's great that I've had this opportunity to meet you. So thank you so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me on your show. Absolutely.
All right, everybody, we'll catch you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. Until then, please give us a great five-star rating and give us a review on what you liked about hearing here. Maybe the aha moment that you had here as well. And as always, if there's a topic that you would like to have discussed, I definitely look at those reviews to see about that topic. So thank you again for listening in and appreciate the time that you spend with us. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.